1: Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to episode number four of Let's Get Real. This is the show on Film Geek Radio devoted exclusively to interviews with people in the film industry that maybe you've heard of and maybe you haven't. Uh, Writers, directors, producers, and actors who are doing interesting work outside of the mainstream. I'm your host, Andrew Johnson, and I am recording this the morning of September 18th, 2012. Yesterday was my last day at the Toronto International Film Festival. I had a wonderful time, and you can read my thoughts on the 36 films that I saw over at FilmGeekRadio.com. Now, on our last episode of Let's Get Real, I played an interview with actress Celia Romano, who starred in the movie tale which was playing at the festival today i've got another interview related to a film that screened there i had the chance to speak with pablo berger the director of a new silent black and white spanish film called blanca nieves Uh, that title is the spanish translation of snow white so let me uh, repeat that just just to make sure you're clear this is a black and white silent spanish version of the snow white story it's the third film adaptation of Snow White this year, after Mirror Mirror and Snow White and the Huntsman, and it's probably the most unique of the bunch. This is not a literal retelling of the story. What Pablo Berger has done here is that he set the story in Spain in the 1920s. Uh, so Snow White's father is a famous bullfighter who is paralyzed at the beginning of the film, and uh, her mother dies during childbirth so Snow White whose real name is Carmen is sent to live with her grandmother and and then with her evil stepmother And that's all I'll reveal about the film, since uh, the way in which Pablo Berger translates the story to the screen is really quite interesting. This is his second feature film. His first film came out in 2003. It was a movie called Torre Molinos 73. And I haven't seen that film, but I've heard good things about it. It took him eight years after that to make Blanca Nieves, and he was kind enough to sit down and talk with me about the film. Now, uh, before I play that interview, I should point out that our discussion does arguably contain minor spoilers. I never directly state what happens in the film, but I certainly allude to certain events in my questioning. So if you don't want there to be any chance that you'll accidentally be spoiled, you should wait and listen to this interview after the film gets released theatrically or on DVD. I'll probably repost this episode once that happens, so you could just wait until then. Uh, But if you don't care and you just want to learn more about the movie, then go ahead and uh, give this a listen. It's a very enjoyable film, and it was actually chosen as one of the final contenders to be Spain's submission for the Academy Awards this year. Uh, There's no word yet on whether or not it uh, will ultimately be uh, the submission, but it's, it's pretty exciting news. Uh, so, without further ado, here is my conversation with Pablo Berger, the director of *Blancanieves*. I'm joined today by Pablo Verger, the director of Blanca Nieves. Pablo, how are you doing today? I'm great, I'm great. Especially today because I got some great news this morning. Yes, I, I, I just heard that Blanca Nieves is now on the shortlist to be Spain's submission to the Oscars.
0: That's right, that's right. There are three we are three Musketeers and there are three films and in a few weeks we will know who will be this which of the three will be the Spanish movie for for the Oscars.
1: Well that must feel great after what I'm sure was a very difficult process. Process uh, into getting this film made.
0: Yes, it was difficult. And always to make a film is very, very difficult. But in our case, it was very long too as well because Blanca Nieves is my second film. My first film is called Molino 73. It got released in 2003, 2004. Mm-hmm. It was pretty, pretty big success in Spain. So at that moment I thought, okay, I'm, I'm the king of the world. I'm going to bring out my next script. And that was Blanca Nieves. But in the first page of this script, and this is 2005, it said, this is a black and white silent film. Mm-hmm. So, to my, not to my surprise, but all the producers in Spain said, are you absolutely crazy? You just made a hit and you're going to make a black and white silent film? And door and door and door, they were closing in front of my nose, rejection after rejection, until I found a producer that said, okay, let's make it. But it took us eight years to get off the ground Blanca Nieves.
1: Wow. Um, what would you say was the most difficult part of that process? Just finding someone to fund it?
0: The financing always okay. is the longest and most difficult part of it.
1: Well, I, I, I know Torre Molino, 73, was a bit more adult-oriented. Yes. And this film is very much aimed at families and, and, and could be viewed by children. Yeah. Why, why the switch?
0: Well, I, I think that because I write and direct... Mm-hmm. I think uh, Blancanieves is a, a crossover film. I think, for example, Film Buffs could enjoy the film because it's full of homas and reference, and I think uh, it's uniqueness in the film language itself. But definitely it could be like a child of nine years old or maybe like a teenager can enjoy it. But I don't think there's much switch. I think it's more like a journey. I think directors, we evolve, and we don't never have like a, a plan our work is just takes us to different places, but I, I think Blanca Nieves is a clear continuation of my path that
1: it started with my short films when I was in film school. Well, why were you drawn to this to the, to the story of *Snow White*? You know, why not another fairy tale? Okay.
0: Well, there's in early 90s mm-hmm. was published in Spain a book called *España Oculta*, which is hidden in Spain. The photographer is Cristina García Rodero. It's a photo book. She's one of the biggest uh, photographers in Spain. She's in the Magnum agency. She's the only Spanish photographer in the Magnum agency. The book is absolutely stunning, and this women photographer, he went to all different villages for like taking photographs of the people, and there were like a like five or six photographs of bullfighting dwarfs taken in the 70s. And when I saw those pictures, I loved it, and I just in my head I just put it snow white in the middle. I don't know why I they were only dwarves but I,
1: I, I saw Snow White and the Bullfighting Seven yeah, Dwarves
0: yeah and, and I al- already wanted to make a silent film Black and White Silent Film has been in my my sh- short list of films I want to make in my life because directors we all have these little documents that we have did ideas and when I saw that photograph I said okay I can make an inspired film on the fairy tale of Snow White so that was the beginning of everything
1: well, the film has a terrific cast. I mean, you've got Maria Albertu as the as the stepmother, you've got Daniel Cacho as uh, Snow White's father, and you, you've also got a terrific child actress named Sofia Uria, yes. who plays Blanca Neves as, as a child. What was it like working with someone so young, especially... In that silent cinema style, that okay. you know, where the performances need to rely so much on expression and, and movement.
0: Okay, the thing is that, as you said, I was working with I was working with movie stars. So definitely, the main actors, the evil characters, they're big gigantic movie star, probably the biggest in Spain and Mexico. But for Blanca Nieves, as a child, I wanted to discover. Mm-hmm. Actually, Sofia Aurea had never been in an audition before. It was her first audition. Mm-hmm. But when we saw her, we saw those eyes, and we saw that truth, and we, we saw how centered she was. We had no doubt. It had to be her. They were not even finalists. It was just, we saw her, that's her. And that's how it goes. So for for the shooting itself, it was a risk, because this is not a child actor. A movie is like hundreds of people with trucks and walkie-talkies and with deadlines and schedule. It's really uh, something very, very like chaotic and crazy. So to rely all that schedule and all that pressure on an eight-year-old child is a risk. And somebody that has no experience. But see was amazing. But film, you have to take risks. If you don't take risks in life, you don't go anywhere. Like The fear is always going to be with you. So the moment you realize that, you just go for for it. And if you make a mistake... You just learn from it, so. But that those lessons you kind of like learn as you get older, <laughs> not when you're a young filmmaker. Young filmmaker sometimes fear can paralyze you.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you go back and reread the uh, the, the grim fairy tale and, and see and you know watch the old film adaptations and 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 just get to know the uh, different interpretations of the Snow White story, or did you just kind of from the very beginning say I'm going to do my own thing?
0: I'm the type of director that I, I like to I like research. I love mm-hmm. research. I love to be documented. So mm-hmm. of course I went to the Grimm's mm-hmm. original. It's just it's very few pages but but somehow when you read it again you find things that it can really inspire you because definitely my film is inspired. I only keep the iconic characters. Right. There's nothing
1: I, mean, the, I mean I mean the, the I would say the major story beats. Yeah. are taken directly from the story, but Mm -hmm. you've embedded it, you've you've entangled it so well into the different historical context of 1920s Spain, that it feels completely different.
0: Yes, no, because definitely, as you said, I keep the iconic characters, and Mm -hmm. I keep the key elements, but the story is three three pages, and the script is 90, 100 pages, so Mm -hmm. definitely it had to be much more complex, the, the script, you know? So... I read it but then I also saw a lot of the movies that have been made about there's even one silent movie made Snow White in 1916 1917 it was a big inspiration for Disney that's what it says in like like when you read like the history of Snow White Disney was inspired by this silent film Mm -hmm. and of course I've seen all I've tried to, to to see all the adaptations they've been made up to now there's sometimes or most of the time it's just to to see it to do something different Mm -hmm. so instead of like okay I'm going to see it I'm going to try to keep this essence it's like okay I'm going to go a different way Mm
1: -hmm. well I know several interpretations of the Snow White story really portray it almost as like an allegory for sex you've got the virginal Snow White who who ultimately you know falls asleep because she bites into Eve's red apple so to speak your film I, I was fascinated by the religious imagery okay. and it almost c- comes across as a, as a religious allegory. Um, c- can you tell me a little bit more about that
0: well, I think fairy tales and, and those traditional fairy tales they're all cautionary tales mm-hmm. okay they're oral tales that they were told from from parents to children from in a medieval uh, Europe where like people were like they didn 't know how to read or write, so somehow these fairy tales is like. You know, they would. It would be like gonna be careful. If you do this, this is gonna happen to you. Like Red Riding Hood, or Snow White. Mm-hmm. So definitely, that element is there and it's important in the story. But the fact that I translated the Spain, I moved it to Spain in a time where like religious was a key element mm-hmm. and of of the daily life. Uh, it gave me. It gave it like a new I- imaginary, mm-hmm. and it and it it helped me to create images that they're really far away from the iconography of what people are familiar of Blanca
1: Nieves of Snow White right I, I mean you, you portray Snow White almost as a, the Virgin Mary um, in, in several scenes yes. um, and you, 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 you know the, the, you've got the bulls that are named Lucifer and Satan and at one point the evil stepmother even uh, kills someone with a, a, a statue of the Virgin Mary so there are these little moments that, that pop up um, that I just found fascinating are you Catholic yourself? I think most of the Spaniards were, uh, are born Catholic. It's, just,
0: it's been part, especially my generation. You know, mm-hmm. Now, definitely there's more diversity. Fortunately, in Spain, like there's much more immigration and people from different backgrounds and different countries. But mm-hmm. when I was born in the 60s, we were just baptized, and we did the first communion, and, and we went to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. So definitely, religion is a big part. It was a big part then. It's still a big part, mm-hmm. and the imaginary is it surrounds us, you know. Mm-hmm. It could be in your house, it could be like in a friend's house when you're going to church, and it's and it's part of what makes our character, you know. Like, religion is a big part of why the Spaniards are our way, or why um, Americans they have their own way, or, or Canadians definitely is part of it. So, definitely, I've always been fascinated, although I'm not like. I'm born Catholic. Mm-hmm. It's not. I don't. It's not like I practice and I'm like a religious person. But I always been fascinated by the iconography of Catholicism, mm-hmm. and they're great stories. Sure. You know, I think the Bible is full of great stories, and uh, there are great movies inside the Bible and all this. And you know, this, the miracle. There's, they are saints. There are all these supporting characters. You have, of course, you have the lead roles. There like Jesus and Virgin Mary. But then mm-hmm. you have all these supporting characters that they're always fascinating.
1: Well, your film does have some of those same characters. There is a Judas figure, um, and, and as mentioned, Blanca Nieves, especially in the final scene, yes. becomes almost like... She, 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 she almost reaches this whole new level of sainthood. It's a very unconventional ending for, for, for this type of film. Tell me a little bit about how you were inspired to in the film that way.
0: Well, I must, I'm amazed, Andrew. I, I love your interpretation definitely there's a lot of those elements inside because definitely the way writers directors work i have said it before but in my case i don't write i vomit and i saw it sounds very gross to say it but i i feel like the linda blair when i write i just write in a convulsive way okay and in a convulsive way in a way that all your obsessions are dropping there Mm -hmm. and then you put order to those those obsessions and those images and because it's visual storytelling you're always thinking about images 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 storytelling visual storytelling and then you put a structure an order so it becomes a journey it becomes like a like a, a tale where you have a, a hero and has objectives and obstacles and it has like a climax so then it becomes a film so all those things that that you said some of them are planted intentionally and some others it's kind of like it's open to an interpretation that it just comes out of the result which are, are great. I think films they have to have their own life. It's not like everything has to be clear but honestly I love and I, I was I'm kind of like even moved by what all the things you said, how you interpreted the film and so many of the things are there mm-hmm. and some other things you made a connection that I don't even know. I never like. I'm fascinated. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna use a lot of the things that you said.
1: Maybe it's due to my
0: religious upbringing. No, I was struck no, by, no. Like, no,
1: the, 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 no, no. The fact that the Judish character asks for a kiss at one yeah. point. And no.
0: But you have to realize that I had religion classes every single day, and for me, Judas definitely it was very important. Definitely, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a Judas character. No, that's mm-hmm. completely. You're not going to give me a kiss. It's just. Right. No, there. There are a lot of biblical things, mm-hmm. and definitely the virgin. Blanca Neves becomes a virgin that's true so that's, when they bring her out like that Blanca that's a, that's a religious song that like when they sing like Blanca they, they bring her out of the uh, like a virgin and the end is like a virgin so but for example the bulls, I put those names but I didn't realize uh, now that you're telling me I'm like that's right you know <laughs> no thank you
1: well well, 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 lastly, I just want to ask you you know, obviously, last year the big movie everyone was talking about was The Artist, yes. and this year we've actually in the United States had two film adaptations of The Snow White Story be released so when, when, when you've heard these announcements that these films were being made, were you worried or did, do you feel like, is this going to hurt the f- chances of Blanca Nieves finding an audience or will it help it, do you think?
0: Mm, up, to, up, well, up to now it's been helping because at least in Spain, what they used, they made a news out of it. Okay, we have Charlie Theron, we have Julia Roberts, and in Spain we have Maribel Verdú. Who is gonna be the most evil of all? Yeah. So it's it's been fun, and it's a little bit like David against Goliath. It's just it's a small European film, or I'm not saying it's small. It's a big European film against even much bigger American blockbusters. So, but the Hollywood. Reporter said something great. You know, I don't know if you did. You read the the review of the of the film? I,
1: I, I'm not sure I did.
0: I'm, I shouldn't say that. I'm the producer, so I can okay. say it. The Hollywood reporter said that it was the best adaptation of them all.
1: That's so, how I felt after I saw. So,
0: but I'm I'm not the director talking. I'm, the, I'm Pablo, the producer, right now. So it cannot it cannot hurt. Right. You know, and it's also the to be centenary of the publishing of Snow White nobody has talked about it but it's true mm-hmm. it's, I don't know if it's just, none of us did it for that reason but it's, it's true it's like 200 years since Snow
1: White since the Grimm's published their, their book Alright, well Pablo Berger thank you very much for joining me today on the show it's been a pleasure speaking with you and I wish you the best of luck with the film. Okay. Thank you very much That was my interview with Pablo Berger about Blanca Nieves. It played at the Toronto International Film Festival and is being released in Spain in just a few weeks, after which it will hopefully find distribution here in the United States. Thanks again to Pablo for coming on the show. Be sure to subscribe to Let's Get Real on iTunes since we've got many more great interviews coming your way. We really appreciate your feedback, so please comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com or email the show at let's get real at filmgeekradio.com. Uh, we'd also really appreciate it if you review the show on iTunes. Uh, that is a, a really big help for us in terms of getting the word out about the show and about the network. Um, so please uh, do that if you get a chance. For more of my work, uh, including all of my coverage from the Toronto International Film Festival, you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash writerandrew. That's at writerandrew on Twitter. And I think that will wrap it up for this episode. As always, I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'll see you at the movies.
0: This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!